Hello, Peter. Hi, Shweta. How are you? I'm good. Shweta, does it ever feel to you in the last couple of weeks that the world is almost falling apart? Oh, yes. Um, the lockdown's been extended in this part of the world and people are losing their jobs. Um, the companies in our universe are drawing down their RCFs uh, for liquidity or other reasons. It seems to be all unprecedented moves from many quarters. How about you, Peter? Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's the same thing here, you know, um, like about two weeks ago, companies, uh, you know, also started drawing on their revolvers, but they also were announcing that, you know, they were going to close stores till the end of March. And now, you know, last week, or actually, I, I guess just this past weekend, um, all of these, you know, social distancing um, actions have now been extended through April. So now you're seeing a whole new slate of companies either extending the store closures or now saying, all right, well, you know, store closures are now going to last through April. So it's just it's it's just crazy times around here. I know. And it's an interesting point you bring up about companies drawing their revolvers. Um, I wonder to what extent documentary flexibilities that have come into a leverage loan documents will ease a borrower um, to not breach a financial covenant that it might have in its revolver. So in the in Europe, at least, a lot of the maintenance financial covenants have fallen away and been replaced by springing financial covenants, which, uh, you know, only spring into action or, in other words, get tested if a certain amount of the revolver is drawn on the last day of the quarter. Yeah, I mean that you know that's actually very similar. I mean that's that's identical here. I mean it's it's usually um, you know uh, these companies need to have drawn about third uh, you know in excess of thirty to thirty five percent of their revolver, uh, and there's you know usually kind of a, an excluded uh, amount of uh, outstanding but undrawn letters of credit. And you know it's funny because as you mentioned, they're only triggered if that amount is outstanding literally on the last day of the quarter. And so, you know, I've been wondering with all these companies kind of drawing their revolvers, um, you know, let's say they, they draw it. And, and for, for the most part, all these companies are keeping the cash on the balance sheet. Um, I wonder if you're going to start seeing any of these companies because, uh, you know, we're recording this on March 31st. If uh, any of these companies are going to actually repay their uh, or will have repaid their revolver yesterday so they don't spring the, the, the covenant. And then tomorrow, uh, April 1st, the new quarter, they just redraw the amount. So uh, essentially doing nothing, but, you know, making sure that these revolvers have not been triggered. Well, that is certainly a way to get around it. But nowadays, companies would need to keep in mind the uh, appetite that their CF lenders have to allow them to redraw amounts that uh, sort of repay and redraw amounts in, in that fashion. You know, RCF lenders are, we're hearing... A bit more taking a more cautious approach in certain cases, but it's interesting you mentioned that your spring threshold is about thirty to thirty-five percent. European loans seem to be more aggressive. Uh, the spring threshold now, in the last say two to three years, is about forty percent, so it's a little bit uh, higher. And also, um, there are a number of exclusions being built in into what is. Uh, what constitutes an outstanding RCF for the purpose of triggering the spring threshold? 
So, I mean, it's common for letters of credit to be excluded, but sometimes in more aggressive deals, we've also seen cash drawings under ancillary facilities being excluded, for instance, in addition to, you know, any drawings for OID purposes. And in more aggressive deals, we've seen RCFs uh, drawn for making acquisitions and investments being excluded. And rarely, but we have seen it, RCFs used for CapEx being excluded from the testing it from the spring threshold um, drawing level. So that really does reduce the numerator of uh, the amount that needs to be drawn for the purpose of um, uh, testing whether the spring threshold has come into play or not. Wait, so, so do you mean, um, let's say I draw 100 million for my revolver and I use it, uh, you know, to acquire a company or for CapEx, you're saying for the uh, for whether the maintenance covenant is now in effect, that hundred million of revolving borrowings are not going to be deemed outstanding. It depends on the language, but yes, you could have that flexibility. And you said something about cash strongs too. I mean, please tell me that doesn't mean that if you keep the cash on the balance sheet, that is going to essentially uh, reduce the amount of outstanding revolving borrowings for. The maintenance purposes. It sounds crazy, doesn't it? But with respect to cash netting, uh, in 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 some documents, we've seen that, say say a company preemptively draws its revolver, right? It doesn't need the cash at the moment, but it decides to draw the cash because you know it could need it in the future, and you know the world is turning upside down, so now is a good time to go and draw its revolver down, and it keeps that fully drawn amount on its balance sheet. So there, in, in some loans, there is a provision which says that the cash held by the restricted group is deducted when calculating the RCF outstandings to determine whether the spring threshold has been met. So to the extent the cash is unspent, it will reduce the amount of corresponding RCF outstandings to determine whether the springing covenant actually springs into action or not. And then... On top of that, when if by some chance the springing covenant does spring into action, you can also then deduct the cash for calculating whether the leverage test is. That's a really interesting distinction because, uh, you know, here in the U.S., um, I, I did a kind of I've looked at the last 40 companies that have drawn their revolvers and kept the, uh, the cash on the balance sheet. For the most part, the actual leverage ratio under the documents has not changed. Uh, because, you know, it allows uh, all cash to be netted. Yes. But but it still means that uh, companies that exceed the, the threshold, they're now going to have to be subject to that maintenance covenant for at least the next quarter. Yes. Um, and maybe and in your case, um, that cash in the balance sheet effectively will stop the maintenance covenant from actually even being in effect. Exactly. Exactly right. So there are, you know, there are bells and whistles attached at every element to the springing covenant, which prevents not only that it's not tested, but also prevents it from being triggered in the first place. Oh, that's, uh, wow, that, that's, uh, that, that's pretty nutty. But I, I mean, so that's all, you know, pro borrower. Um, are you seeing lenders kind of, you know, why they're pushing back on interpretations of flexibility or just like flat out 
uh, pushing back on on borrowers' requests to actually just draw on the revolver in the first place. What we have heard is that some lenders are more cautious about um, letting borrowers draw down their RCFs, and this is perhaps more in the mid market space than the big cap space. But we've heard that borrowers, uh, lenders, are now scrutinizing the purpose clause to see whether that gives them a lever uh, and gives them a basis for refusing an RCF draw. What What do you mean the the purpose clause? The reason for which the RCF can be drawn. Uh, so so you uh, so there are use of proceed restrictions uh, in, in some of these documents. In um, so traditionally there would be use of proceed restrictions um, for an RCF even in big leverage loans, which of course Scott eroded many many years ago. But I expect that you know mid market documents being but tighter might still have such restrictions in them. Right. All right. So, I mean, that makes it, I mean, here, you know, we're kind of uh, speculating that, uh, you know, lenders will probably uh, use like the MAE defense and, and, and say, um, you know, well, look, there's been a, a material adverse effect on um, either the business condition or, you know, you can actually make an argument that um, if you're like a movie theater or a restaurant, you have no revenues coming in. Um, a material adverse effect has happened in respect of, your ability to main, to possibly you know pay your debts as they come due. So you're saying that they will not be able to make a representation saying that there is no material adverse um, event of default at the time of the drawing yeah. or the request. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one uh, you know a typical condition uh, to draw on the revolver is you need to um, you know bring down the reps and warranties um, that needed to be brought down to closing, and one of them is that, um, you know, there's been no material adverse effect uh, to your business. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's interesting you say that. We looked at um, data for the loans issued in 2019, and 50% of the loans we reviewed did not have a MAC event of default. So, is that yeah, right? I know. it's uh, This is what happens when covenants get eroded. It's funny. I, nobody, nobody really seems to mind or, or put up a fuss until uh, until it's almost too late. And I mean, you see that with uh, you know transactions where where the uh, companies have transferred assets under certain subs or you know dividended uh, assets or cash up to the sponsors. Uh, you know, it's, it's right there in the document, but nobody really seems to pay attention until well, you know they absolutely need to. As must be the case for you, Peter. But there's a clamor for our reports now to for people to read what the loopholes are and which can possibly be used right now. And we will discuss those loopholes in further podcasts. You take care, Peter. You as well. Take care.